0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chadwick. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen welcomes Sabra Starnes to the show for part one of their discussion on Sabra's reunion story through an attachment lens. Part two will be released on Tuesday, March 2nd.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm looking forward very much to sharing uh, an interview today with Sabra Starnes, and I want to tell you a bit about her. Um, Sabra is um, a therapist but also um, an adoptee and she and her twin were adopted as infants in a closed adoption. She grew up in a transracial family in the Midwest experiencing many joys and challenges. Sabra and her family experienced racism and discrimination as a transracial family. She learned to persevere and be a strong advocate for herself. And at a very young age, she knew she wanted to help others. So she provides uh, adoption counseling using attachment-based therapies connected with expressive therapies. She facilitates a monthly foster and adoptive support group and love and logic parenting workshops. As an expert adoption therapist for the past 22 years. She has had the personal experience and professional training to work with families touched by adoption and foster care. She is a strong advocate for children who are in care to have permanency or reunify with their birth families. So Sabra just has a wealth of both personal lived experience and professional training to bring to our discussion today. And our topic is um, looking at her attachment and reunion story through an attachment based lens. So she will be here just in just a second.
0: Join the Knowledge Center for an experiential workshop designed to support successful engagement of parents in the child therapy process. Karen Doyle-Buckwalter will be joined by Daphne Lender for the other half of the equation, Engaging Parents in Child Therapy. This two-day workshop on April 28th and 29th will focus on how to identify parents who need more focused work, how to set goals for the parent, how to help parents initiate relationship repair, and more areas to help the child, parent, and therapist get the most out of the therapy session. Registration is now open. For more information, order register for the workshop, head to org.
1: So Sabre, welcome to the
2: podcast.
1: It's so good to have you here. It's great
2: to be here. I, I,
1: I'm really excited to get to talk with you and. Yeah, yeah, so. Um, we will of course mention all this at the end of the podcast, but I'd like for, for people to know also, just as we start out that not only do you have all this um, personal and professional experience that you do, like lots of workshops and webinars yeah. and, you know, all kinds of stuff. They can just, you know, go to your website and see all kinds of,
2: um, different services that you provide. Yeah. yeah. I like to keep keep things, you know, creative and doing different things. It keeps it fun.
1: Yes, yes. And you are. I, um, I didn't mention this in your bio, so I want to mention it now. You're also a registered play therapist supervisor. Yes, yes. In addition to your LCSW and your yeah. LISW and all your other credentials. So, <laughs> wow. But today, um, in addition to all of that, you're going to be sharing a bit more on your personal experience yeah. Uh, as an adult transracial adoptee and so brave and so courageous, thank you for willing to be here for that.
2: Yeah, no, I enjoy sharing my story and um,
1: with others. Yeah. So the first thing I thought of, you know, as I was sharing your bio before you hopped on in terms of attachment theory, which mm-hmm. is our focus, is when you wrote you were part of a closed adoption and, mm-hmm. and, and immediately, you know, all of these bells go off mm-hmm. brain, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, what, what does that mean? What does that feel like? So anyway, we are ready to, to hear your search and reunion story and whatever you can share with us about that, that would give us a deeper understanding of you and others, um, that we work with, or parent, or or whatever. Yeah.
2: No, I think mean, well, when you say the word "closed adoption," it's it it definitely speaks to just how closed emotionally it is. That oftentimes there's so, there there were so many questions or answers that I would have for my adopted parents, and they didn't have that information. Mm-hmm. Um, today, it, I would to to get my birth certificate to get my information. I would have to go and get a court. A court order to get that information because it's still sealed. So, uh, closed adoption for adoptee is it just another layer of of a who am I, where who who is my family of origin, what's something about me? Um, so it comes with just a lot of pain and emptiness um, that that often can't be filled by just your adoptive parents saying, oh, you know, we love you, we're here. That just doesn't, doesn't change um, that the fact that there's still this missing, this missing piece.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, one thing, and I think you're alluding to it, a few years ago I went to the American Adoption Conference, mm-hmm. um, and I had not been there before. And to recognize... <laughs> the impact of sealed records and of somebody holding, even as you're an adult, this Mm -hmm. level of power over your history. You know, Mm -hmm. I heard stories Mm -hmm. there about, you know, trying to do search, trying to do reunion, or even winning medical records, even if Mm -hmm. it wasn't your purpose. Mm -hmm. And people sitting across the table from you kind of holding a file and being like, no, yeah, no, you know, and anything people would get having – all this information that they needed blacked out. And of course, you know, I've worked in the adoption field a long time. I understood closed adoptions, but I didn't understand from the perspective of who the records are being kept from.
2: Right. Or the, or why. And I think that the other, you know, the bigger, the more um, prominent and impactful part for that was, is a closed adoption always meant for, meant to me that my, my birth mom didn't want to know didn't want me to know who she was, and didn't want to know me? And it was almost like I, she had me. A day later, she was gone, and that that was it. And so she made that plan and that decision. Um, even though when I was born, it was more of a, a norm for closed adoptions, right? I could know that she didn't want me to have any way to to find her. Uh, was, was really heartbreaking um, because my adoptive parents always gave me this, we had a, a family story. I mean, we would tell this story every Sunday night um, as our kind of a ritual about how we were going together as a family. My So my adoptive parents are white. I have an older sister who's three years older than me, and then my twin sister, and together we were all going to search or my birth mother. And I, in my vision as a little girl, I literally had that we were going to walk hand in hand around the world until we found her. That we were not going to stop because my parents were like, we are going to find who who your birth mother is and then who your birth family is. And I truly to the core believe that and Appreciated my parents for that conversation, um, but then it, it definitely turned into a different conversation as I became, as I started my search.
1: Yeah, so oh gosh, there's so much in what you just said. Um, and, and I want to get quickly to what you're going to say next about when you started your search, but one thing that really stood out to me and what you just said was that. That feeling of incongruence of you know I know a lot of the story is often you know your birth parent really wanted you but you know they couldn't keep you kind of thing and yeah. that incongruence with um, the the closed records symbolizing no yeah. like stay away
2: don't find me yeah, yeah. you didn't exist you weren't important. Uh, uh, you were an accident, you were something I'm going to forget that I brought you into this world. Uh, you know, all those stories that an adoptee starts to bring into their head that it causes so much, you know, a lot of emotional and physical pain that just, again, can't be kind of wished away or um and so that's why i often would turn to the adoption fantasy and kind of create my own story because i didn't have any story that was factual so i had a lot of a lot of stories growing up in my head about who who my my family of origin was and
1: yeah uh, yeah so it sounded like the next thing you were going to start talking about was then that was this attitude that your parents had. You know, we'll all do this together, and we'll we'll hand, you know this vision it gave you of, of, as mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. What? So then, what happened? What What was the reality when the reunion yeah. process started? Yeah.
2: So when I was, I, I was very, I was, uh, I was a very inquisitive child. So I was always asking questions about um, being a black girl, about my adoption, and my parents. At my mom at thirteen took my twin sister and I to uh our adoption agency that was about five hours from where we were adopted and was able to get a narrative of our birth family of origin just who like so it gave us it didn't give any names it gave age i knew how many siblings we had so there okay. were like eight siblings my twin sister and i are the babies so we've got to get some information about um my, my maternal grandmother. So that really helped. It didn't, again, there was no names, there was no pictures, so I didn't have that. So I held closely to that for years. And then when I was um, 25, my father and my grandmother, my, mom, my dad's mom, said, you know, we're, we're going to pay for the search and reunion for you to, be, for, to, to find you, your, your birth mother. Which was great, but it also at that time my parents were divorced, so my dad kind of was using that as a little bit of a, a zinger to my mom, and so that created another layer of uh, you know confusion for me that that, that still you know being an, a divorcee kid of an a divorcee comes with, but that yes. started. Um, so my fo- so again my uh, at the time I was in college, and my dad sent a letter to the agency. The worker who was on, who handled our adoption was still there. It was just, it was like months away from retiring. Oh my goodness. Said, I'm going to do what I can before I retire and found, and I th- found a letter that my um, birth mother had written. And it was a letter that said that, yes, I do want someday. I hope we will, we'll connect And it kind of was a very vague with this in that letter that she, it was one of those letters I say ask birth mothers to write to your, to your, your child. And she did want to have contact with us. So the.
1: Was this a situation where that letter was there, but unless you pursued this, you would have never known. No, Never know. So it's not like when you turn 18 or something they try right. to find you right or,
2: or something right wow yeah yeah it was very you know to see I mean I remember opening the letter and seeing your handwriting and like hugging the letter um you know first when I when I opened it my dad didn't share like what I don't think he had read it but it was like I was shaking and and I was like I didn't because again I didn't know if it was gonna say you know I had you I'm gone I didn't know what you know I was hoping for it to leave a some room for me to to, to reach back out yeah and um and so to have to see that it did I was like wow it was being a new, like a newborn baby. I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" So it it just created. I was so excited. My dad was 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 excited. My mom um, was silent, like my silent emotionally and physically. I didn't didn't say anything um, when I called. I was like, "Mom, I've I've got this letter. Um, I'm going to be able to pursue meeting my birth mom," and nothing and that was that so another layer of of rejection and pain I'm like wait a minute we had you know we had this plan (laughs) we had this we had this this story while I was growing up
1: that you were going to partner with me on this together oh wow and And now and then also confronted I'm thinking with this feeling of
2: loyalty and Yes. What will it mean? And I am one of those people. I just uh, it's part of my my makeup and part of who I am is just I'm not a, I don't give up. I just keep going. I'm kind of one of those people. My parents always uh, it was one of those things. They always would wonder hmm, where does she get that? And I'm like this is just me. I'm kind of I'm a feisty. I'm a I'm asking questions. And so I heard my, the, the pain that my mother was feeling. It, I. I Figured out. I'm like that's her stuff. I gotta keep. I this is for me. So we were able to. uh, I was able to just move forward, and um, I was able to write. I then wrote a letter to my birth mom. She wrote a letter back, and then for the next. Uh, year we did letters and then it moved into phone calls and then she invited me to a she invited myself and my twin sister um for a visit and i was so how, like- how long was this from the
1: the first you know contact with her to the visit
2: yeah, it was you know it, to, it felt like um it it went so it really quickly. Okay. Um, I, because I was moving at a quick, quick quickly, a quicker pace of wanting to connect with her than my twin sister. So it was probably about six months. Okay. Um, and then we had a visit. So within that um, that first year when we started to make the make more of a, a connection. And that oh. really was um, a really, uh, yeah, just a time of – so many different emotions. Uh, I was really excited. Uh, I was really sad. I was scared. I was mad. I had so many different <laughs> emotions because I was like, you know, one minute I was like, yay, I get to meet her. The other minute, I was like, wait, where have you been? You know, so yeah. uh, things that came up and why? Are, you know, and so it was hard. Um, one, uh, so we we went. My sister and I went to 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 visit together. And, wow. And, um, it know, like I know
1: in transracial adoption too we talk so much well we should be talking so much we're not always talking so much about racial mirrors and being around people who look like you yeah. and and I'm just wondering um, what the impact of actually physically seeing her uh, so what what was the impact on first seeing her on you yeah.
2: It was a, a way I describe it is when you a newborn first sees their mother. I was on an escalator going down, and she was at the bottom, standing there, and our eyes connected, and it was this instant connection. This instant, like when I hugged her, I felt it like this, it didn't feel like the first hug. Um, the world stopped. It was like a moment. I went back into a moment of attunement, connection that I was, it, it just put me in a state again of this, this, this is what I was, this is, what, you know, what I've been hoping, waiting for to see someone. That, and we look a lot of like, I have her yeah. eyes, her, a lot of her features. So it was just. Wow! Because because racial mirrors is one thing, but being
1: genetically connected and looking like someone is this whole other deeper
2: thing. Yes, which is you know I had not experienced before. So it was it was a it was a it was a very natural experience, but it was a new experience because I didn't hadn't experienced that. Is you know when I didn't have that mirror of with my with my parents with my mom or with my dad. I had it with my twin. Which Dad. I feel real. I mean, that having her in the world together. I mean, we we had each other. We had each other um, to support, to, to protect. I mean, it was it was, that was uh, always amazing to have someone who did look like me, who lived with me, who was with me, and was my true blood. And having
1: yeah, her. yeah. So that's that's I'm very intrigued with what you're saying about that because I know some. Some folks have said that was something, but I you know, because sometimes there's this idea in transracial adoption. Well, if we get, you know, two or three or, or more kids of the same race, then we've got this whole, you know, racial mirror thing, transracial yeah. thing. We've got that all covered, yeah. you know, yeah. if we do that. Yeah. So it's, it's good to hear, well, I, I like that that was helpful, but that can't be everything, right?
2: Yeah. 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 And have, we, uh, her and I, Tree and I were, like, we were twin as twins, we were preemies. So coming into the world at that time, really, we had a, a rough a medical road. Oh, um, wow. We were put, at that, they didn't, you know, they weren't doing, um, putting twins together at times, So we were in two incubators separate. But uh, oftentimes I was the more dominant twin, so I was the one who kind of really would always kind of... Take her in and protect her, uh, but there, there's I, a there's a theme here, Sabra, with your <laughs> with your personality, is. isn't there? There is, there is. Yeah. <laughs> I love yes, it. I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It was amazing to to see her um, at yes. that moment. Yeah.
1: Yes. So that right so so that's just the actual like first seeing each other. Yeah. And then tell us more. Like how this went along. Yeah.
2: So it was a to give a time frame. So my birth mother and I had a seven year relationship from that moment of meeting for seven years. We had an amazing relationship um, to where the point was the, the a year after meeting, I moved there. I moved to where she lived. Um, I moved in with her and my it was her my birth mother my grandmother and two of my older brothers and I um, decided to to live in the spend, I, I didn't know how long I was going to be there but I knew it was just there was some I just said, you know, what? I'm gonna just venture and go I, I'm ready. I wanted to try living somewhere else, but I wanted to, to live live with, around her. I wanted to be able to connect with her. So I lived with them for eight months. and how old was, were you at that I, time? Yeah, I was 26 at
1: the time. Okay, so yeah. at point so I, and this was this early in a seven year relationship or the middle or
2: a year later? It was a year, a year later. Like, so uh,
1: a year later. So yeah. you're about you're doing this search twenty four, twenty five. You you find your birth mother, you are interacting back and forth for a year, and then now you're about twenty six and you decide to move in with them. Yeah.
2: Okay. And it was wow. It, I, so I st- stayed in a room with my with my grandmother, who's just this amazing, amazing woman. I, I learned so much. I learned about my history. I learned just so many different things about my family's origin, um, things that I just wanted to know. Um, my birth mother was very open to me sharing information. What I learned was, though, that when I asked about my adoption, when I asked about my birth father, that went into what i had experienced with my mother was a silence i'm not answering it that's not a question so when going.
1: you ask your adoptive mother about your birth no no when you ask your birth mother about your birth father there was this silence again okay. um the you're response- like i know that i know that you're like i know that silence
2: i have I, this is very similar to what i grew up with and her response was why does that matter i'm here and my twin sister who would come for at that point, she was not as engaged or excited about this, this, this search as I was. I mean, I was a hundred percent, I was a million miles into the search where she was probably like, you oh. are all in, you
1: yeah. are, I am going to figure out my story. Yeah. There's no stopping me.
2: None. Yeah. And my twin was like, I just want to know, I just want to know a few questions. And she was the one who really had would, when she would come for a visit, she's like, I wanna know what my birth father's name is, I wanna know where he is. And she, my birth father continually did not answer that question and also did not answer our question of why did you put us up for adoption? So our, my sister at that point, when she didn't get answered, answer, she was like, I'm, I'm done, I'm leaving and actually during a visit left early and went back home. And I remember thinking, oh, you can't do this. Oh, you might ruin what we, you might make her give us up again. You can't go. You might make us her decide she doesn't want us again. You can't leave. I mean, I, it was just that,
1: oh, I was like, oh, oh my you're gosh. Like,
2: you're me. like, I
1: don't want to, you know you I've wanted this connection for so long I don't want to jeopardize it yeah. but yet at the same time this this like very close connection to your twin
2: yeah oh my gosh so much yeah where the I'll add so my um other siblings I haven't we have a, the oldest sibling is, is um was a daughter and she um has um, since past, but uh, she was the holder of all the stories, and she was the holder of the truth. She began to tell my, my sister and I the truth about what, why we were adopted, she gave us all the information. She told us who our birth father was, so she answered all of the, the questions, and the reason that my birth mother didn't want to answer those questions is because they weren't, it wasn't a pretty picture. Her picture, what her picture of why she had us, why she gave us up, was not a happy story about her on her end. It was going to make her not look like the woman that I was getting to know, which was a, a, a devout Christian woman, a kind woman. I mean, this other story she didn't want me to know that she was a partier, that she had, you know, was in a relationship that was toxic, all those things she didn't want me to know about. Um, that I learned, and I was thankful for for my older sister for for her her for her being the truth um, of our story. I mean, I she, I have pieces pieces from the beginning of when I was born until up until she my my birth mother um, found when I found my birth mother um, because my birth mother hadn't told our siblings about us when we first. Our first, my first moment when I met her, I thought my siblings knew about me. They were all like, "Who is this?" And <laughs> you, I mean, they're like, "Who is this?" Who? who? And my mom again? So she,
1: so she was able to have twins and place them for adoption without them
2: knowing. Yes, it, my older sister knew. She was fourteen at the time and actually went to the hospital with my grandmother. The day after we were born, to see if my grandmother had was going to consi- reconsider taking care of us, and we were already we were already gone. Oh, to uh, the adoption agency had already we already had been just when we were born. It was prior to being born. The agency had connected us my birth, my adoptive parents with, um, the agency and we were already, you know, had been placed prior to being, you know, being born. Um, so there's just so many stories, you know, so many, the, the, the secrets that come with oftentimes with adoption, make a lot of, you know, at times I I know for my twin sister, she was like, I just don't want to, I don't want to hear all this. For her, it was kind of like, I don't want to hear. If I don't get the truth. If I'm not, if you're not going to be 100% honest, I don't want to hear it. Um, for me, I was like, I'll take whatever, you know, kind of like, I'll listen to whatever um, information that I can get about myself to help me find and understand Sabra. Wow,
1: Sabra, this is just the most amazing story. I, I, I see we're at the uh, almost um, at the bottom of our part one of our podcast, and I just I I listeners, I want you to join us for for the second part of this story. Um, And I am just I'll say now before we take our break here. I am just amazed at your courage and your persistence and your willingness to keep pushing forward with this. I'm just astounded by you. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So listeners, please join us for uh, part two um, of Sabra's story. Um, And um, I look forward to hearing more about this.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption trauma and attachment theory.